What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Crazy Face Uno podcast. I'm your host, Shane McNeely. And as always, we've got the uh, good old Chansey Poo. And we've got today, we've got a little Molly girl. They're the dogs of the uh, podcast that will be in the background. And my guest today is the one, the only, my mother, Diane Engel. Mama, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Shane. How are you doing today? Doing just great since you're home. I know. It's been good. We've been able to hang out and spend some time together. And uh, I've been trying to not be sleepy and fall asleep every two seconds. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I like to give a little spiel here, and I didn't do it there, but uh, Crazy Face Uno is was designed to inspire others to do good, to make a difference uh, in our local and global communities. So if you're out there and you're listening, check out our website, crazyfaceuno.com, and uh, you can find our podcast. You're obviously listening on something, but you can find it all over the place. Check it out. Spread the word. And thank you for listening. I had Grandma on yesterday. Since I've been home, I was able to get... Get Granny on here, Della Paul. So if you're listening now, some of the things I'm sure we'll talk about, you'll have a little reference to if you listened to the one before. Um, but it's really fun to have people on and especially like it's going to be fun to just hear stories that you've got about life and me and I'm sure who knows what else might come out. But um <laughs> Molly's uh, made herself comfortable on mom's lap, and uh, she's got her head just resting on the table here. But um, yeah, I, I've been sticking with, and I know you know this, but I'm going to go ahead and tell it for everybody, but I've been sticking with just like the life story of the individual in some ways. And mm-hmm. so speaking of having grandma on here, and um, you grew up in... The home she still lives in, mm-hmm. uh, in Gilead, Indiana. Mm-hmm. So where, what city were you born in? Were you born in Peru or was it? I was born in Peru, Indiana. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you were born in, in Peru. You grew up in Gilead. Yes. Uh-huh. Lived there my whole life until I married your dad. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then you guys moved to Akron, right? Was that the first area that you lived? Um, we lived first and a little house outside of Gilead, just like maybe a mile or two miles outside of Gilead okay. in the country. Yeah. And then, then you moved over to Then we Akron. moved to Akron. Okay. Mm-hmm. See, it's things like this. I don't even... I know... I knew you didn't live in Akron the, the entire time, but I I don't know. So these are always like fun things to... You don't sit down and be like, Mom, where did you, uh, where did you live your entire life, you know? Um well, let's just start from the beginning because uh, we talked with Grandma and she talked about some stories with you and Steven and mm-hmm. growing up as, a, you know, there's 10 years between you and Steven, your brother, and my uncle. And it's just interesting to, or fun to talk about and, and kind of think back on some of those because I've heard these stories, you know, several of these stories, <laughs> but uh, they're fun stories. So growing up, it was you and Grandma mm-hmm. um, and grandpa obviously too but Mm -hmm. i know that you and grandma were like had the relationship and were close and um 
What are some of your first memories like with grandma or first memories growing up? Oh, mom and I were always close. I mean, she and I were, she's probably my best friend to be honest. Yeah. Um, I mean, we were just inseparable. We did everything together. Um, and another person that was very, very close to me, and I was very close to her, was my mom's mom, who was Anna Lou. Anna Lou, yeah. Uh-huh. We talked about her a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, and it's funny because she was telling me that Anna Lou, the Lou, you know, uh-huh. and I know I told you that Dana's grandma, my wife, um, her grandma is, her grandpa was Louie. Um, and so there's this connection between her and I with Louie and Louise. And mm-hmm. uh, now Lou is a new uh-huh. like version of that that I've not really been as familiar with. But um, uh-huh. it makes it even sweeter because we've talked about whatever, regardless of gal or, you know, girl or boy, if we have mm-hmm. kids someday or when we have kids someday. Um we always wanted to name the middle name like Louis or Louise or mm-hmm. you know something That's along really those sweet. lines just to mm-hmm. to like remember our grandparents you know mm-hmm. um, so that's just yeah. a fun one and and this will come out a little bit more and we talked about it yesterday too but um, as far as like you having cancer and mm-hmm. when you got a little bit older but Anne Anna. Mm-hmm. Uh, she passed away from cancer as well. Yes. Correct? Yes. And she had cancer the same time I had cancer. Okay. So that was another bond that bonded us. Yeah. A little as bit I later was, on in life. Yeah, yeah. As I was older. So um, I don't know. My grandma and I were just really, really close. Yeah. Which I think is interesting because you are so close to my yeah. mom. Yeah. And um, so, but grandma, grandparents are just special people. Yeah. And grandkids lives i know what do you think that is i don't know i don't i don't really i don't really know what why the there's such a tie there but um as, at least in our family yeah that's that's how that is well, i think I, most of the time i mean obviously there's exceptions to every rule and not every family is the same as ours mm-hmm. or same but uh, i think oftentimes like that's the case so, you know mm-hmm. you get excited about going to see grandma and grandpa or mm-hmm. Maybe it's the spoiledness, you know. You it get could spoiled, be, yeah. <laughs> it I could be. I don't know. I think some of it was because we live close. Yeah. You know, and I, I could just. I mean, they just lived up the hill. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's how I always referred to it. And I would say to my mom many times, "I'm going to go see Grandma," and she was always fine with that because yeah. Grandma was just up the hill. Right. And. So, um, well, and for you guys listening, if you listen to Della Paul, uh, my grandma, the previous episode, then you're kind of familiar with Gilead, but Gilead is this tiny little store. And as I was talking with grandma, she said she thought maybe at one point in time, there was 50 people that kind of lived in Gilead, but I vaguely, vaguely remember like a 33 or something at one time when I was younger. That's what I remember too. So I would say the average is probably like around that 35, you know, Mm -hmm. mark or whatever. and. Um, she, so it's, it's a really small town in Indiana. Right. If you look it up in the map, it's just a little blip. Berg. On, yeah. A little blip on your radar. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to always tell people, if you blink your eye as you're going through it, yeah, you'll miss it. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but it's, it's quaint, it's cute and mm-hmm. it's like, feels like home, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know I've told you this, but that house, um, you know, and 
been talks of you know selling or whatever mm-hmm. that house and getting rid of it just my grandparents as you maybe heard yesterday she's almost 80 years old and so mm-hmm. just a lot it's a lot of house a lot of yard a lot of just everything but it makes what makes it hard is she's lived there her entire life pretty much as well and mm-hmm. trust me i get that i've lived in the house that i just moved from for six and a half years and it's really hard to like just say goodbye to those things so when you call it home um but I've, you know, we've lived in different places. We lived in different homes and the steadfast, like the things that have always been in my life have been my grandparents' houses. And that's, you know, dad's side, uh, Edith and, and Doug there. And then they passed away, you know, in the well, grandma passed away and, uh, a few years ago. And so, you know, that house is still in our family for the moment, but, you know, know that that's not always going to be the case and and the same with grandma's house it's but there's something about those two places that that's home for me Mm -hmm. you know um because i don't have that like really that one place i've lived i've lived in the house in minnesota i've lived there as long as i've lived anywhere uh, six and a half years and so um for me even like talking about it it's like nostalgia you know i like hits me i have thoughts and memories in that place I I know that it's funny because I feel like I know it like the back of my hand too like the yard and I can just picture everything in my head mm-hmm. and I've got these deep-seated memories from as as long as I've been alive you know mm-hmm. um but go on Gilead is you would go up the hill and so when you when you're at my grandma's house and you come out the front door mm-hmm. and was your former house you'd take a little right Mm-hmm. And it's maybe a tenth of a mile. It's like maybe. barely anything. And you go down this little hill mm-hmm. and then you go back up this like nice little steep little hill. And uh-huh. it's like a two story like stairs, you know, if you were going to go up two flights of stairs. Right. Like, it's kind of like that. Yeah, in some it, ways. Is. it um, is. And it's just a, it's a little steep little hill. And at the top of that hill, uh, was it the one right at the top of the hill or was it like one right past it right it wasn't it was like two houses yeah passed so there was like a house when you got to the top and hers was the next one right it's like an empty lot next to her like okay. the two houses kind of had their backyard and her side yard were mm-hmm. like together so yeah. it made it feel like a bigger lot okay um her and house? i've actually never been in that house oh that house is gorgeous now yeah. um it was it was really pretty too and grandma owned it but it is even it is even nicer now the people that own it that bought it from grandma and grandpa they had a fire in that house mm. and i vaguely remember that yeah, yeah they did they had a fire and they did it didn't destroy it completely but it did some damage and sure. so they they um they replaced the the original woodwork mm. which the original woodwork was very detailed and um she opened up grandma and grandpa have a two-story home and so she opened up the staircase oh wow and she put um a matching staircase in to match the original woodwork Mm. in the house and it is beautiful i mean she allowed me to come in and see it she said diane would you like to come in and see your grandparents home yeah she said now that i've redone it and i said grandma would be thrilled at what you have done to this and it just really touched my heart because I knew grandma would be tickled sure. and it, it's, it is really pretty what yeah. she's done to it. And plus she's, she is a gardener. So she has flowers mm. everywhere and grandma loved flowers. And, um, so she's really done a lot to the place and it really looks nice. I, I'm just tickled with 
with how it is now. It's really neat. Yeah. So you were telling us just a little bit about, you know, how Grandma Anna, mm-hmm. or Great Grandma Anna, right? For mm-hmm. me. For you. How mm-hmm. Great Grandma Anna, um, and you were close and you'd walk up the hill. And mm-hmm. what are some of your memories? Like, what do you remember doing with her that's uh, like so memory, memorable? Um, we did a lot of baking together. She had an apple tree out back that oh, the apples were wonderful to bake with. Uh-huh. And we baked a lot of apple pies. We made a lot of applesauce together. We mm-hmm. sang. One thing we would do on Sunday afternoons, um, my mom and I would go up there and visit, and we would sing a lot of gospel songs yeah. together. And did you just have it memorized, or did you no, have like a hymnal or like? We a... would buy. We would go to, <laughs> to um, my mom and I would go to Christian bookstores, and we would buy these songbooks. Yeah. And we would just sing. We would go up there and sing because acapella, just no uh-huh, music, just no music, just sing. just sing. And Grandma and I would carry the melody, and my mom was an alto, so mom would always sing the alto part. Yeah. And, Oh, I just love doing that. That was just one of the fun things I remember doing on Sunday afternoons with Grandma. And um, oh, that's that's two things I did a lot with her. Um, Grandma, she was she was loved to eat like the rest of us. And yeah. I can remember going up on Saturdays, um, and she would she loved to cook hamburgers. Yeah. <laughs> we always had hamburgers for lunch. And she'd say, Diane, you want a hamburger? And so she'd send Grandpa to this other little town called Denver, Indiana. Another little burg. Uh-huh. A little tiny thing. Uh-huh. And they had a grocery store there that would grind fresh meat. Mm. And she would have Grandpa get fresh hamburger that yeah. was freshly ground. And um, he would come back with this fresh hamburger, and she would make hamburger patties. And she had um, this skillet that I don't know what there was about this pan, but she would cook them in that pan. And there was no hamburger that tasted like... Yeah. Would she season them anyway? Do you remember? Yeah. There was a certain seasoning she used, and I can't remember... I can't remember the seasoning, but it was... It just made those hamburgers... What so this was a question. Grandma was pretty humble about her cooking abilities, and mm-hmm. I'm just a cook, she said. You oh know. yeah, but well, we she all know is, that's uh, not true. But yeah, she is a legitimately, and and I'm not the only one. You know, uh-huh. uh, Dad says the same thing still. Mm-hmm. You know, she's the best cook yeah, he's ever like she's, had. She's a good cook. And uh, yeah, I, I did. Do you think? Obviously, that had a pretty big influence on Grandma, but is that where Grandma learned to cook is from Anna? Sure. Or, yeah. um, and and Mom, my grandmother was a good baker. Okay. She was really good at baking. Um, she just, she could make an apple pie that was, and she put it there again. There was a certain skillet-like yeah, pan, that, and I wish so bad I would have got that pan. I know that sounds crazy, but... There was just certain things, you know, that yeah. she would make that, and she would put it in this pan. It wasn't a pie plate. Yeah. It wasn't like your normal pretty little pie that you would see, you know, mm-hmm. that someone would make. It was in this certain type of a, and it was a pan. But oh my gosh, it would, it just 
would melt in your mouth pie. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah. But yes, I would say my mom picked up a lot of grandma's. Yeah. Well, obviously that affected you as if you oh, were yeah. around that a lot. You were around yeah. both of those two, which is mm-hmm. adds to why you're such an amazing cook as well. Well, and thank you, thank you. I always love coming home because I always know I'm <laughs> going to have the most delicious food uh, thank ever. You. you always have good food. Um, one of the things you had mentioned, you had told both of us, you told Grandma and I a story about this brooch, oh, right? Yeah. That you uh, loved of grandma's now now we're just telling on you but i'm putting you on the spot to tell the story but uh, i think it's a you know obviously it's an important time in your life or something that you remember quite well so yeah you want to tell us the story about the brooch and how that all came about grandma dameron and that's my mom's mom my grandma she had a jewelry box that she had on her dresser and I would go up there Saturday mornings a lot, and there again, we were together a lot on Sunday afternoons because she would live close, and I was just there a lot. And one Saturday, I was up there, and I was helping her make her bed, and she was putting away some of her jewelry, and I saw this brooch that she had in her jewelry box, and I loved the color pink, and I wasn't very old. I may have been seven, six, somewhere around in there. I wasn't yeah. very old. But at that time, Grandma Stanley, which would be my great-grandmother, okay. which would be my mom's grandmother, yeah. she was living with them because, um, and she was German. She was, I <laughs> believe, half German. Yeah. And she, Which we have a lot of German in our family, right? Yes. Grant, Paul is very much German. Mm-hmm. Uh, grandma's got the Paul, the Dameron, the mm-hmm. Stanley, mm-hmm. all that. She's very German. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even on dad's side, there's some German, I think, that runs through that side as well. So mm-hmm. I've got a lot of German as well. Uh-huh. So anyway, she um, had let me go through her jewelry box, which I love jewelry and still do to this day. But uh-huh. anyway, um, and there was this brooch that was in her box that I... I said, oh, Grandma, I just love this. And she told me, she said, someday, Diane, that will be yours. Yeah. And I just, I mean, I loved it. It was pink, and it was, the stones in it were just gorgeous. I can still visualize it today. Mm-hmm. And um, and that was all that was said. And, you know, we put we were putting our jewelry away, and I put it away in the box, and I didn't think too much more about it. Well... Probably a couple months had passed, and um, I was up there for some reason. It was a Sunday afternoon, and I was in her bedroom, and that brooch was laying out, and I picked it up, and I put it in my pocketbook. I had this little pocketbook that was black, and it had, it was old. What did the brooch look like? The brooch had, oh, it had... Um, I want to say sequin like stones in it, yeah, or crystal like stones, and sure. it also had some smooth, um, milky pink looking like stones in it. Um, it was just gorgeous in like my a eyes, but it, type looking, yeah, like and it was and it was cords. good sized, it mm-hmm. was it was good sized brooch pin, yeah. um, but anyway. 
And I just picked it up and put it in my purse because to me, grandma said that someday I would get that. That would be mine. So yeah. I just thought, I'm, I'm going to take this home because I was afraid that I wouldn't get that brooch. In my mind, as a little girl, that was what I thought. She told me someday it was going to be mine. So to me, yeah. that was someday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I took it home. I mean, I had been up. I mean, I had even went out in the kitchen and talked with Grandma and, and you know, I, I don't know. It was even evening before I went home. But I went home that evening and I took um, the brooch out of my pocketbook and I showed it to Mom and I said, look what I have. And Mom said, where did you get that? And I said, I got it from Grandma. And... Mom said, no, where did you get that? And I said, I got it at Grandma's. And she said, did she give it to you? And I said, well, she told me someday it would be mine. And I, and I, and I got it. And she said, I asked you, did she give it to you? And I said, no, she didn't give it to me. I, I just got it from Grandma. Yeah. And so she knew that I was lying and that I had taken the brooch. Yeah. And she said, you are going to walk right back up there and you're going to tell her that you took that brooch. Yeah. And I fell to pieces. I was crying and I was just a mess. <laughs> and she said, come on, you're walking right up that hill and you're going to tell grandma what you did. Yeah. So I walked up that hill and I felt terrible. I mean, my heart was broken, and I went up there, and I walked in the house. Well, Grandma Stanley was sitting in her rocking chair, and Grandma Stanley, I was really afraid of her. She was a very um, German woman, I'd say, I know to put it. She was, yeah. she was not, she wasn't kind with me, and I don't know, not like, not like Anna, not like yeah. Grandma Anna. Which sounds like it was just kind of her personality. Yes, but. it was. And I think it was because she was older and she was toward the end of her life. Mm -hmm. And I I just think that's how it was. And um, so she had bony fingers. I can still see her, her <laughs> bony fingers. And she had... An index finger. Well, I was crying already. Yeah. But she took that index finger and she pointed it at me. And it was crooked and yeah. it was very bony. I can still see yeah. it to this day. Probably a little arthritis in there. Probably. Oh, yeah. And she said, be sure your sin will find you out. <laughs> and I fell completely apart yeah. again. And Grandma Dameron which was Anna, she came out of the kitchen and she said, what is wrong? And she had the kindest, <laughs> sweetest voice. I will never forget it. And she said, what is wrong? And mom says to me, you tell her what you did. And I said, grandma, I took this. And she said, it's okay. It's okay. I told you, you could have it. Someday, I told you you could have it. And mom said, no, no mother. She took it from you and she is to give it back. And I think that broke my grandma's heart as much as it broke mine. And grandma did take it back because she knew my mom was trying to teach me a lesson. 
Yeah. But at the same time, I think it was hard for Grandma to do that. Yeah. But she did. She did take it. Yeah. And so anyway, but Grandma Stanley scared me to death, and I was never the. <laughs> and that's the, my vision of Grandma Stanley. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. But. Something else I find really interesting uh, about like your childhood or growing up um, is your relationship with your neighbors as well. Oh, yeah. Um, and so you had the Swihart boys mm-hmm. that were across yes. the street. Yes. And you guys were all super close and, yes, and we good were. friends. And, yes, we were. Um, you know, I know that one of those boys has also contributed to my life and I wouldn't be where I am today. Mm-hmm. I'm crying already. <laughs> it's okay. Um, it's okay. Yeah, you know, without you know some of those people that I just find it so beautiful. Like sometimes the story of um, just how I got to where I am. I don't know why I'm crying. It's okay. It's all right. <laughs> um, but it's just, they're so intertwined with life, you know? Uh, life gets so intertwined with, it's the little things. I mean, grandma and grandpa getting together, too. I mean, those are obvious, right? But mm-hmm. to living in that house and hearing grandma tell that story about, you know, Paul's going off, he got drafted, and um, he buys her a house. And because he bought that house for grandma to live in while he was gone. Like now you had the opportunity to grow up across the street from the Swihart boys. And I had the opportunity to find wrestling and, you know, do all these different things and whatever. But, um, that's a story from a different day, maybe, but I just find (laughs) that really beautiful. Um, Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't be, you know, I went to found my wife. I went to moved to Indiana or moved to Minnesota and Mm -hmm. we wouldn't be here today, uh, having this conversation if it wasn't for some of those things. So, um, those things, I think it's just amazing and beautiful. And mm-hmm. I know that so many people's stories are like that. I think there's, there's just beauty in that. But anyway, um, you had, you've got some fun stories. I know with like you and th- those boys mm-hmm. and you and Steven and those boys and the horses and, mm-hmm. um, what are some of your memories or, you know, maybe explain some of that to us just kind of, um, yeah, the Swihart boys. There were, let's see, there was Stuart, Rick, Kelby, and Brett. And Brett, I think, is the one you're referring yep. to. Um, those boys hold a very special place in my heart as well. Um, Stuart especially. And, well, I can't really say that. Stuart, yeah. And the reason for that, because I was bullied in school. Yeah. Um, When I got to high school, um, well, let me explain. I went to North Miami High School, and our high school and junior high was together because it was a small, consolidated school district. What was your graduating class? Do you remember? Um, Size. My, the size of my graduating class was one of the biggest ones, and it was, I believe we had... I want to say 119. Okay. And that was that was big for that consolidated yeah. school district. But anyway, um, when I got into 
the actual high school. Our junior high and high school were together. The junior high was on one side of the school and the high school was on the other side of the school. But when I finally reached to the freshman hall, yeah, um, there was these girls that were, I think they were um, juniors and seniors at that point. But they bullied me, and mm-hmm. I mean to the point of, well, one day they held me in the bathroom. And I, to this day, I do not know what I did to those girls yeah. to cause this. Uh, I, I, there was three of them. And Stuart found out about it. Now, he was a senior mm-hmm. at that point in, okay. his, in his high school career or however you want to say that. But he found out that this was going on, and he came that night. He came over to the house, over to my home, and he said, "Diane, why didn't you tell me this was going on?" And I, and I, I didn't know what to say because I didn't think anybody would care, and I didn't want to go to anyone as a person that is being bullied. You don't want to tell anyone because you're afraid it's going to make it worse on mm-hmm. yourself. Yep, I understand. I know you do. <laughs> so, and I I can remember saying to him, I, I just, you know, I just want it to go away. I don't, I don't want to cause any more problems. And and he said, well, what, what has happened? What, you know, what, did you do something? I said, I don't know. I, not that I am aware of. I, you know, so anyway, he said, I'm going to take care of this. And I said, you don't understand. I said, what happens when you graduate? And I I don't have you there anymore. I said, you know, they're, who knows what they're liable to do to me? Oh, no, they won't. Oh, no, they won't, he kept saying. And, um, but I just feel like I owe Stuart my life because he, honestly, he took care of the problem. Yeah. And those girls never bothered me again. Yeah. And I really don't know to this day what he said to them <laughs> or what he did. I know there was major, he had some other boys involved. <laughs> I do know that. And I do know that um, it was after school hours that he took care of this problem. Yeah. But um, I really don't know what yeah. happened, but the bullying stopped. And I mean, there was a lot more to that story I could go into, but. Um, it was to the point where I was even afraid to go to school activities and all of that sure. kind of thing. But he he took care of the situation, and yeah. I feel very indebted to him. Rick um, was the one that was in my class. Um, Rick and I had a – I just loved Rick. He was like – well, they were all like my brothers, but mm-hmm. – Rick was one that struggled in school, and he would come over to my house and want me to help him with papers. And yeah, was and, Stuart older then? Yeah, Stuart was so a Stuart, senior. Rick, okay. Yeah, he because was, as we've mentioned, I know Stephen came along, and I don't know what how they fit into that age range, but Stephen came into your life ten years later. Later, so. I don't know. See, I don't know where Stephen fits in that either because I'm trying to figure out. It would have been where probably between Kelby and Brett. Okay. Or maybe, yeah. So Stephen had somebody, one of those Swihart boys that were around his age too then mm-hmm. at some point. Yeah. So they were in similar situation, I guess, in, mm-hmm. in the sibling uh, department. Line up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> department. <laughs> yeah, right. 
Um, but anyway, there was Rick, and Rick was always one that needed help with schoolwork, and I always was there yeah. to help him. And and then Kelby, Kelby was, I love Kelby too. He was a sweetheart, but he was younger than me. And then there was Brett, and yeah. Brett was, yeah, Brett was so good in so many areas. Yeah. And it was just amazing. I mean, but he was the youngest, so he came after yeah. me. But, um, and then I introduced you to Brett because. Yeah, because of wrestling. and Because of wrestling. I was able to go and work out on holidays when I'd come home for oh. Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and Christmas or whatever and go. He was a wrestling coach, an assistant mm-hmm. wrestling coach at one of the local high schools. And so I would get, I had to stay on weight and stay in shape. And so. I'd go in, and he was around my weight class at least, and he's still as an adult, and Mm -hmm. so he would uh, he would work out with me and keep me in shape and he always yeah, and he always talked to me about you. He said Shane's got so much potential. He would always say he has so much potential, Diane. He said he he really he said you really need to he really needs to find someone to help him develop Mm -hmm. that. He said I wish he says I wish he lived around here. He said I'd work with him. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was always fun to go, and it's always good to have. I, I just remember having, like, just different perspective and, like, um, forcing you to think about the way you're doing things differently or whatever, and just the questions that would get asked. And um, One of the other questions I had was, were, did you, were you close to any of Grandma's siblings? I feel like there, I didn't, I don't hear many stories about them altogether, like, I don't, remember hearing too many stories. I mean, there's our some. I know, I know, uh, obviously you helped take care of Mike. Uh, uh yeah. Mike is, he is, uh, down syndrome. Mm-hmm. And how old is he now? He's my age. So he's in Michael his fifties. Yeah. Michael and I are, are the same age. Yeah. And you, would, you kept, you helped take care of him growing up. Yes, I um, did. When grandma, see, grandma worked at General Tire and grandpa worked at General Tire. Mm-hmm. And there was a time, Grandpa worked nights and Grandma worked days. So there would be a time lapse there when Grandpa would go to work and before, yeah, before Grandpa would come home and Grandma would go to work. Okay. So I would fill that gap and I would go up and get Mike ready for school. Gotcha. And Grandma paid me. So it worked out great. Yeah. I had this little dab of money coming in. Right. And... And I would get Mike ready for school. Yeah. And um, Mike was just, he's been a peach in my life as long as I can remember. And then in the summertime, I would stay. I would go up there and stay, too. Now, Grandpa was there, but he was sleeping. Yeah. So I stayed and get my, you know, kept Mike company and basically watched him yeah. take care of him. You're like a caregiver. Him, that's yeah. It. Fed him lunch, whatever. So Mike and I have a... Uh, history that goes way, way, way back. And, yeah. um, but, um, yeah, I've got a lot of stories. Kathy was my favorite. Yeah. Kathy was. Yeah. She and always I, has been. And I, which makes sense because I, out of all the siblings, like Kathy and, and Mike and, Chris. and Kathy's son, Chris, Chris, yeah, are the ones that I'm the closest with or know. So close sometimes that I forget that it's grandma's sister and brother. Like, I just don't even think about that. I feel it feels different than that. Mm-hmm. And there's the age difference, you know, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I just sometimes I forget that that's the relationship 
mm-hmm. to them. And I, obviously, we you know, time goes by and you lose connection with some people and mm-hmm. whatever and don't stay close. But um, yeah, those are that's some of the other siblings of grandmas. I don't I'm not as familiar, don't have as much of a relationship. Like I know the names, obviously, but um, yeah. So, OK, so there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, OK, cool. Do you have any stories like with Mike or uh, growing up and or Kathy or? Yeah, Mike, he, one of my favorites is he loves to eat. And um, he would get off the bus. Now, this was one day that I had to stay after school, and I used to ride the bus home with him. Um, and I would get off the bus. And, you yeah. know, I, a lot of times I'd get off the bus there with him and I would walk home because there again, it was just down the hill yeah. or up yep. the hill, whichever way you yep. wanted to look at it. But that... Uphill both ways. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that day I didn't... I had to stay after school for some reason and he got off the bus by himself. Well, grandma or grandpa, either one were home there. So he got off the bus and went in the house by himself. Mm-hmm. And when he got off the bus, he was always hungry. Yeah. Like you are, like every kid when yeah. they get home from school. So <laughs> as much as we could tell, this is what we could figure out anyway from what we saw. <laughs> when we when Grandma got there, got home, she was like maybe 10 minutes later than Michael. Yeah. Um, when she got home, she was met in the backyard by a jar of peanut butter <laughs> that had been thrown off the step and busted because he couldn't get the lid off, is what we think happened. Yeah. So that is a funny story to me. Um, another funny story, Mike, because he was Down syndrome, he was gaining weight rather fast as he was growing yeah. up. So gr- mom... And my gra- and gra- my grandma was trying to um, keep Mike from gaining weight, and so they had discussed maybe not giving him bread at supper time. Mm. And um, so that night at supper, Mike was sitting there at the table, and they mm. had filled his plate like they always did. And Mike was famous for eating bread with his meal. That was just what he did. And so they didn't butter him a slice of bread that night. Mm-hmm. And he was sitting there eating, and he said, bread, please. And nobody even acknowledged that he said it. <laughs> and so he said it again, bread, please. No one acknowledged it. And I heard this going on because mm-hmm. I was there too. But And I thought, why isn't anybody getting him bread? I didn't know what they yeah. were doing. And... Uh, Mike said it again. Bread, and only this time is a little bit louder. Bread, yeah. please. Well, nobody jumped to get it. <laughs> and he says, oh, shit, and pushed himself back from the table and said, I'll get it myself. <laughs> and, of course, everybody just roared. I mean, the whole table <laughs> just busted laughing. Yeah. But Mike was mad. He oh, didn't yeah. find any humor in that whatsoever because right. he didn't get why he wasn't getting bread. He'd always been able to have it before. Right. You know? So that was a really funny story. I mean. I liked hearing the, what's the story with him? Because uh, he would say the prayer sometime, right? Uh-huh. 
What was that story he'd go through? Like oh, Everybody and his brother. And that depended on how hungry he was. Yeah. If he wasn't very hungry, he, oh, everybody. His prayer would be super long. Oh, <laughs> he would bless everybody. I mean, even people in Florida, because there was times that grandma and grandpa would go to Florida. And I mean, if he was, if he wasn't, if he was hungry, then it would be short and sweet and to yeah. the point. But if he wasn't hungry, oh my gosh, you didn't know it might be an hour from now before you'd get to eat because <laughs> he would just go down the the gamut of everybody he knew. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was Mike. Yeah, and to this day he likes to pray. Yeah. Over his meal or whatever. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. um so I know that. The um, Jake, who would be your your grandfather, right? Mm-hmm. It would be Anna's husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grandma was talking about how he was just shy of 100 years old mm-hmm. when he passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any memories of, of him kind of growing up or... I remember he's a, he was funny. He had his little quirky things, but he had a million stories to tell as oh. well. He was always a story storyteller. You'd be over there, and he's somebody that I wish. Well, a if I had this podcast, that'd be awesome. He'd be a, yeah. He'd there, be an you'd awesome have you'd have a month of content to talk about with mm-hmm. him because he just has had stories after stories after stories. He'd mm-hmm. tell you, and they're always it was like history. You'd like get a oh, history yeah. lesson, you know, because you'd hear about the times, and he was so good at like going into the details and talking about each and every one of those things, and he. Um, yeah, and I'm sure as he got older, he was, things changed, I know, but, um, yeah, I just didn't know if you had any, like, memories of Jake or. The main thing I remember about Grandpa, and I don't want to offend anyone, but Grandpa was an alcoholic, Mm -hmm. and, um. And the thing that I remember the most is when his life changed. Yeah. And that was when he found the Lord. Yeah. And it was such a drastic change in his life that I said to Grandma, what what has happened with Grandpa? I mean, I was just... Yeah. Because it... And it Night was and a, day different, oh, probably. and it was a sweet change. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't a bad thing. Right. I mean, it was just such a sweet change. And I, and she sat me down and she talked to me about what they had found. And I, and I remember saying to her, "Well, whatever it is that you guys have found, I want some of it because yeah. it was such a, yeah, it was just such a sweet change." And and um, she says, "Well." Honey, I I want you to go with us yeah. sometime. And um, so it wasn't long that um, they they encouraged me to go with them to Olive Branch Church. Okay. And that's when I met Lowell in June. And yeah. And you talk about you know meeting people and how absolutely things yeah. just evolve. I mean. So it was, that was a really neat time in my life because, yeah. you know. That change was something you recognize, remember, mm-hmm. and see. And, mm-hmm. and they an were very. to that for you. And yeah. Church. They were very instrumental in, in that change in my life yeah. as well. So. So. Um, 
I don't know where that fits in in the spectrum of your life, but we got to high school a little bit. We were talking about high school, mm-hmm. um, which is when you met my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, so you met my dad when you were 17, 16? I was 16. 16? And I was this, it was in the summer um, between my sophomore and junior year. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you were, was it the Swihart? Was it one of the Swihart boys mm-hmm. that introduced they, you guys yeah, to? So yeah. that was like. Stuart had a, had a part to play in that. Uh-huh. Yeah, it came all together. And mm-hmm. then dad was a year older than you. So he was, mm-hmm. well, I don't know how old he was, a year older than you. Uh-huh. But, um, and you and him, he was 19, you were 18 mm-hmm. when you got married. Mm-hmm. Was it right after high school? Yeah. Right yeah. after I graduated, he had been, he had went to Purdue for a year. Okay. Uh-huh. And so you guys had, okay, so he had gone to, to Purdue for a year. And then grandma and I were talking about this too and trying to figure out exactly those time frames. And I think I did the math right, but do you remember how old you were when you had me? I was 27. 27. So you had waited, you guys waited a, a good while, mm-hmm. about eight, eight years then? Mm-hmm. Close um, to eight years, before nine you had, years, somewhere around in there. Yeah. And some of that was dad was going to school mm-hmm. and you helped put dad through school. Mm-hmm. And he went, to, so he went to Purdue and then he also went to seminary, right? Mm-hmm. And got, he Bible's was college. Bible college and then mm-hmm. seminary or whatever, however that worked. So I know you helped throughout that process. Um, When, so then you were pregnant and you had me, mm-hmm. which fast forward, we just kind of fast forward through some of that. And that leads to um, my birth and a big part of your life, mm-hmm. uh, especially at the time, which was when you were diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. Would you mind getting, telling us some of those details or kind of going into that and that experience for you and finding that out and what that it's a it, it's a crazy period of time. I can't imagine going through all those things, being pregnant, being just having a baby and having all this health problems and all these issues. So, yeah, that was um if I can do it without crying cuz it's still very tender yeah. for me. Well, let's start here. Let's start with when you first found out you were pregnant. Okay. Um that was also as bitter I, I I don't want that to sound bad. Let me say it, bittersweet. Yeah. Um, because your dad was, we were, he was in his senior year of college. Yeah. And the timing was just so, and I kept thinking. Well, that's what grandma said. And I kept thinking, why? Why now? I mean, because I really wanted to get him through school. That mm-hmm. was my goal. I, I was very goal oriented. I, I wonder where I got that from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder. Huh. But I was. I was just so goal-oriented. And my whole focus was to get your dad through school. I just wanted him to graduate and, you know, and be done be done with school and be on his way before, you know, we thought about having a yeah. family. And, but, and if I can say this, God, say had, a, God had a different plan. Yeah. And looking back at it, it was the best plan. Yeah. Because um, I didn't know I was going to get sick. Right. And I didn't know I was going to have all the problems I was going to have. Yeah. 
but I wouldn't have you, which was Mm -hmm. the very best thing that probably ever happened to me. And I'm not saying that because you're my son. (laughs) I mean that with all my heart. Um, But at that time, I remember thinking this surely, I'm surely not pregnant. There's just no way I could be pregnant. How could I be pregnant? And yet, knowing deep in my soul, I could be pregnant. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, I went to the doctor. I just didn't feel well. I was had these constant headaches, and I just kept thinking, what in the world is going on? And, yes, I had missed, you know, my monthly cycle, and I, and I never did. Yeah. So I knew, I thought, yeah, something was up. Yeah, I thought, oh, this just can't be. There's just surely no way this could be. And I didn't even want to tell your dad. I know that yeah. sounds awful, but I just thought, this just can't be. I mean, <laughs> so I went to the doctor and he said to me, well, is there any way that you could be pregnant? And I said, well, I suppose. There's a way. <laughs> I suppose, but... And so he, of course, did the test, and sure enough, I was. And um, I remember going, and it was, I mean, it was early on. It, mm-hmm. I mean, I found out, like, probably, you, I was probably three months, which yeah. that was early back then. Yeah. Now they find out, like, you know, the yeah. first month they right. know. But back then, that was really early. Yeah. And um, I remember going to the school to tell my mom. And I remember telling her. And she said, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I got something I need to tell you. And she said, what is it? And I, she says, are you sick? And I said, no. I said, I went to the doctor today. And I said, I'm, I'm pregnant. And she and I busted out ball and because I'm a I'm yeah. a crier I'm a crier. Huh, I wonder she, where I get that from. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, she says, um, "Well, Diane, there's nothing wrong with that." And she was excited. And, yeah. And I was like, I said, "But mom, the timing is all off." I said. Yeah. And she said, "Well." Sometimes we're not in control of that timing. Right. I can remember her saying that to me. And I thought, well, I definitely am not in control of this. That is for sure. So, and I remember thinking, you know, there was a there was a couple in our church that at that time wanted a baby so bad. And I felt really guilty because they couldn't have a child. Right. And I thought, this is terrible. I mean, I'm feeling you know like this the timing is wrong and yet there's this couple that wants a baby so bad and they yeah. can't have one yeah. and and so then i tried to put things in perspective and tried to look at it you know that this is a life and and it's your child yeah. and so once i did that you know it helped and and i embraced it and yeah. and things were good but yeah. I had I really had to check myself because yeah. I was wrong in my thinking. Sure. Because but that's where when you have goals, goals are a good thing, but they can also be a bad thing too. When right. you so you kind <laughs> when of other have things to, get in the way. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So but anyway. 
So then came me, mm-hmm. December 4th, mm-hmm. 1987. Mm-hmm. Yep. At like, what was it? Around 3 a.m. or 2 a.m. Uh, or something? I don't know. You were born at 5 something oh, in the morning. And I labored for 30 and a half hours. 30 and a half hours. Ugh. Which nowadays is unheard of. But, right. Um, and I ended up having you C-section. Yeah. And let me back up a little bit because the whole time that I was pregnant with you, I had this, I found this lump in my breast and, um, and I went to the doctor with it and I said, I don't know what this is, but this is not normal. Mm -hmm. And, um, he said, well, let's check it. Actually that happened before I got pregnant. I I need to tell that because that was found before I got pregnant and we had it checked out at the time. It was nothing at the time. They told me it was nothing. Mm -hmm. Well, then I got pregnant and then that's when things started changing. Yeah. And it was probably, I was four months into the pregnancy Okay. and I noticed that it was changing. Yeah. And so when I went in for my, cause you go monthly there for a while. And I told the doctor, I said, this thing that we checked is changing. And, um, he said, yeah, I see that. He says, let's just watch it. And he said, and then we'll, he says, if it gets any bigger, he said, we'll decide what to do then. And I said, okay. So, um, the next month rolled around and it started to grow even more. So by that time it was like six months had passed and he said, I think we need to do a biopsy on this. So I was six months pregnant and he sent me to the cystologist in Indianapolis and I was scared to death. Yeah. I, I, I can't explain. I you said how many months pregnant? Six months. Six months. And I, w- I mean, I was mortified. And by that time, I didn't tell anybody I was pregnant until I was about six months along. And yeah. I, 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 you really couldn't tell until yeah. about then either, to be yeah. honest. I was a walker. And I really, really watched what I ate. And I really took really good care of myself. Mm-hmm during that time and I really didn't look like I was pregnant until about then honestly and um so anyway to make a long story short with that um this really was when I started showing and really this started really changing yeah and so anyhow I went and they did I went to the cystologist and he did a biopsy and he took 20 samples, and I will never forget it as long as I live. He took 20 samples of it, and he said, now I want you to come back in an hour, and I will have the results. Well, that hour seemed like an eternity. I have never been so scared in all my life. Yeah. Nothing worse than <sighs> waiting. So I went back in an hour and he told me that it was nothing but a lactating cyst. And he says, and it's been triggered by the pregnancy. And 
so I said, well, what do we do? I mean, because it was continuing to get to grow. And he said, well, once you have the baby, he said, we'll be able to remove it easily. He said, I don't think this thing will continue to get any bigger. But he was so wrong because it did continue to get bigger. But I still trusted in what he said. Mm -hmm. And so after I had you, after that horrific... (laughs) Um, labor experience yeah. and then going through the C-section and having you and then had this rather large. Yeah, your breast, you said, was the size of a basketball. Is that what you said? That's what yeah. my medical report said. So it swelled to the size of a basketball. Mm-hmm. So um, after that, he told me I needed to wait three months Mm-hmm. after you were born to have it removed well the three months i was miserable and did they you know, it was no i know like after you i wasn't but did they still did you just use your other breasts for for breastfeeding i or did you not no i wasn't able to breastfeed okay they gave me a shot to dry up got the it milk to help plants. with that so yeah they, they thought that would help but it didn't Right. This continued to get bigger. Mm-hmm. So I um, called him. I called the cystologist and I told him, I said, there's a problem here. I said, this is not doing what you said it would do. Yeah. And I said, um, I, I am miserable. I don't know what I should do now. And he said, well, I just think you need to see a surgeon and, and let the surgeon make a decision on what needs to be mm-hmm. done. I said, well, who do I see? Because I don't want just anybody cutting on me. And so he gave me the name of three doctors. Yeah. And I said to him, well, if this was your wife, who would you pick? pick? I mean, I need to know the best possible person here. Yeah. So he told me the top two. Yeah. Well, I called the first one, and he wasn't available till I think it was like six weeks later on from that point yeah. and i couldn't wait six weeks right so the next one i called he could see me i think it was that friday sure so i got into him yeah and when i saw him he was extremely upset and yeah. he said why have you let this go yeah and i mean it like sucked the wind out of me because right. i thought i haven't let this go i have yeah. been in touch with numerous doctors what was this guy's name dr bunting okay this wasn't who i was thinking who was the doctor that i'm thinking of that you were you had a really you were close with um probably my uh, my oncologist who was fred oliver butler okay but I'm anyway so he um I mean, I just was appalled. He he had no bedside manner at all. But everybody mm-hmm. told me he was an excellent surgeon and that I was in good hands. So, but he, I knew, once I saw him, I knew, I just had this gut feeling. I I just knew that it wasn't what they thought it was. Yeah. No one had ever mentioned the C word. I don't even like to say the word, but yeah. no one had ever even mentioned the C word to me. But I just knew. I yeah. just knew. And he um, he said to me, 
I want I want you in here Monday morning. Now mm-hmm. this was a Friday, and okay. he said I want you in here Monday morning. And I he told the nurse he said I want to move my appointments back, and I if I have anything scheduled Monday morning, I want it changed. So he says I want it was serious, but that, about that point in time, <laughs> he says I want her first thing on the docket Monday morning. So Monday morning I was in for surgery, and. When I got in there, um, I had that horrible waiting period that weekend. Even though it was just a weekend, it was awful. Yeah. So anyway, Monday morning when I went in, um, I said to him, is there a possibility I'm going to lose my breast? I don't know what I was thinking because my breast was enormous. Yeah. I knew. But you just knew something was up. And... Uh-huh. And he says... Uh, there's no breast tissue here. This is all engulfed in tumor. Well, I, you, it was like somebody took a cold glass of water and threw it in my face. Right. Especially which, when you, like you talked about the bedside manner, especially when you're like yeah. in a vulnerable place in life in general and you yeah. just had a baby and you're, I'm sure hormones were out of whack anyway. <laughs> I was On top of the fact yeah. that you have this medical issue that you're dealing with yeah i was a mess so anyway to make a long story short with all that i mean i just i didn't even know what to say it was like somebody had just drained the life right out of me and and like you said vulnerable i felt like (laughs) i i I can't even tell you what i felt like it yeah well there's not much time to even like process at that point in time it's like just kind of hits you, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you know, I had a lot to take care of in a short amount of time. I had you. I had to find, you know, I knew my mom would step up to the plate because I just, I knew. I just knew she would. Yeah. And um, and yet all of that was a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. it just was a lot I because I thought, what am I going to do? You know, how... Because you were my top priority. That's right. all I could think about was you. I, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I know that your dad was there, but I, you, yeah. you were my top priority. I, that's all I could think about. And right. I thought, what if this does turn out to be cancer? What if, you know, I only yeah. have so long to live? What if? All your, the what ifs that your you can... just reeling with all those different uh-huh. scenarios, I'm sure. And... um. So anyway, but that was very, very difficult time. Yeah. So he, I know grandma had said he came in and pretty much just said, like, he's, she had mentioned he'd, the same thing, no bedside manner and just pretty much, well, it's cancer. You know? Well, he, and he was mad. Yeah. Because. Um, he felt like he it was d- preventable. Is that kind of why? I or think like so. That you I think he felt like th- that it could have possibly been taken care of yeah um but you know nobody did right and um but who knows yeah i mean no fault to you or anybody like i mean it's at that point in time but okay so you had found out um i'm sure that you i'm sure getting that news was probably shocking already well here's the thing when i came out they wouldn't tell me okay they said um, we're really not sure. They said they had three pathologists look at it in surgery. Um, we're sending it away hmm. to the National Cancer Network in Texas. Okay. 
Um, they said it could take anywhere from three days to two weeks huh. to find out for sure. Um, and they wouldn't come right out and tell me. Now, they told mom and everybody else that, you know, and I think your dad was in on that, too. Okay. That they thought that they, they were pretty it sure yeah, that but. it was. But they weren't sure because the looking at it under the microscope it was inconclusive they had okay. never seen anything like that before yeah well when the do you know t- what it was like the specifically what it was called or mm-hmm. like what years it was called cystosarcoma phylloides i'm gonna try to, to write no i'm just gonna listen to this later <laughs> and try to write it down then but anyway um one more time it was called cystosarcoma phylloides okay and he explained it to me this way he said there were three types of tissue going on in there and i think that's why it was so confusing for them he said there was cystic tissue there was fibrocystic tissue and he said and back behind all of that laid the cancer and he said so to come right out and say that the whole thing the whole tumor yeah was cancer i can't say that yeah and so I, I had all kinds of questions. I asked him what stage it was. He yeah. said, well, he said, it, I can say it was a zero to three or a zero to one um, stage. I said, zero to one? I said, what? What? What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, what does that mean? And he says, well, basically what that means is it was in one located area of your body yeah and i said well is that good i mean what and he said yes that is good but he said the bad part is that type of cancer normally he says if you want to call it normal is attached attaches to a vital organ yeah he said so we can't really take any chances with this Mm -hmm. he said but he goes, um, I want you to see an oncologist. He said to for this to be completely conclusive yeah. as to what I'm talking about. Because he said, I've really never dealt with this before. So then that's when he hooked me up with Fred Oliver. Fred was a, he was a great guy. He was young. Mm-hmm. Um, a little, I f- little better bedside manner? Yeah. <laughs> and when I first saw Fred, I thought, do I need to change your diaper or what? Because <laughs> yeah. he was so young. I mean, I I really think Fred was probably maybe in his 30s. I yeah. don't know for sure, but probably close sure. to in his 30s. And that kind of concerned me. Yeah. But then I thought, well. Clearly a smart guy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because I'm still here Such today. A specialist. In, right. Yeah. yeah. Um. And then after talking to his nurses, uh, the nurse I had a a nurse I can't remember her name I can't believe I can't remember her name but she was she was very very good to me, but she told me she said he will take you to the point of death to save your life mm-hmm. and I truly believe that's what he did with me yeah because there were days I thought to die would be easier yeah now. I know that at some point in time they gave you, or there was a percentage at one point in time, and I'm sure that's not hard to or easy to talk about, but what do you remember, or are you willing to kind of, do you remember what they had said, like as far as like survival rating, or? I, I'm pretty sure they gave me a 40%. 40%, okay. But it's like, I think her name was Dixie. 
Dixie told me, she said, those are just percentages. Yeah. When you've got Fred on your side, yeah. she said, you, you just, you just store those away. That's just a percentage. Yeah. Is so, what she told me. And Fred, uh, he put you on both, uh, chemo and radiation. So you had like direct radiation to yes. your breast mm-hmm. or that area because you had a mastectomy, correct? Mm-hmm. It wasn't what they call a full mastectomy. Now I think they've got different terms terms or... for it, but mine was just, it wasn't a radical. I'll put it that way. Mine was just what they call a simple. They didn't have to take lymph nodes. Okay. So mine was just a, what they call a simple. And, and so it was post that. Now, did they leave, did they allow... Obviously, when you remove something, you have to stitch it back up and it has to heal. Now, did they allow that to heal at all before they started those treatments? Um, no, it went right away. Fred, Fred wanted me, he wanted me there the next week. Okay. And I, I, well, I had to have some scans because they wanted to make sure it hadn't spread anywhere else because sure. it was so large. Yeah. But, um... I went down for the scans, and the I had a bone scan, a CAT scan, yeah. I some other kind of something. I don't even remember what it was now. Mm-hmm. But, and they all came back clear. But, as Fred said, it takes over 10,000 cancer cells to coagulate together to even show up on any of these scans. So it's not that you couldn't have it, it's just that it may not be showing up yet. Right. So he said to say that this is really yeah, gone. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. So then that was at that point in time that you were then And he said and he told me he says I I'm going to I'm going to give you two of the worst drugs on the market. Yeah. He said to try to how, save your life. How long did you take those? How long were you he on that? He set me up plan? for six treatments, but he only gave me 5 okay. because he said I feel like the doses I have given you are enough. Okay. And how uh, are those every week? Is that every like two He's, weeks? Or? He set me up for every three weeks to okay. get a treatment every three weeks. But my body I got to a point where it would not. So that's um, almost a year that you went through all of that. Mm-hmm. And he, my body wouldn't um, jump back. It got to where my cells yeah. wouldn't jump back fast enough for three weeks so there would be some times when i wouldn't be able to get a treatment and they'd have to wait a week so but and i think that's why he cut it back to just five but but um so you now are how many years i know we had talked about this because i was trying to figure it out you're officially 30 years Mm -hmm. this was your 30th year Mm -hmm. that you've been cancer free Mm-hmm. Hey, high five on that. Love you, Mama. I love you too. Glad you're here. <laughs> I am too. That... Then I had, then I had though 31 radiation treatments as a follow up. Okay, so you how and were those the same amount of times or was that more frequent? No, I had that every day. Every day. So you had like another month on top of that. Mm-hmm. So it was a full year basically yeah. of yeah, your treatment recovering. Uh, and then obviously a lot of time of recovery after that. Mm-hmm. What were some of the symptoms you experienced just from the chemo and from the radiation you know chemo is awful i'm not gonna but i lived to marking them off 
Yeah. I did. I lived for marking you're like, them. You knew you had so many, so you're like, those were your goals that mm-hmm. you being a goal And person. I started out with six, okay? I yeah. had to have six of them. So when he got me halfway through and he said, I think, I think, it, yeah, halfway through. He says, I think what I'm going to do, Diane, is take one of those off. Yeah. I said, you're going to what? It was now like a that, bonus. <laughs> that like scared me though. Yeah, sure. I said, are you sure I don't need that one? I yeah. mean, I was you ridiculous. might as well just give it to me. <laughs> I was just ridiculous. Yeah. And he said, no, I don't. He says, no, I can give it to you. But I said, no, if I don't need it, I don't. <laughs> you know, I bounced back and forth. I was crazy. He, yeah. sa- he says, you are a complicated girl. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I know I am. But. Um, Thanks for that. I'm complicated yeah. <laughs> too. Hey. <laughs> High fives are complicated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, so he cut that one. So then it was like, oh, my gosh, I've only got two left. I mean, yeah. I was really excited. Right. I well, was. it's a I, huge, you know, piece to, uh-huh. you know, when, so, you've got, when you're a goal person and you're just trying to get through all that, then for sure. I had to drink a gallon of water the day before. They made me drink a gallon of water. I tried. I, I just could not eat. I mean, I maybe weighed, I think my last treatment, I, I maybe weighed 100 pounds. Yeah. By the time I was done. Appetite and stomach oh. and all that. Was, I've always oh. heard that. It was awful. Um, and I know that, you know, you've had doctors now that have talked about some of, you know, potentially some of your health things and things that you've you've dealt with throughout mm-hmm. you know the later parts of your life have been probably side effects basically long-term mm-hmm. side effects to your chemo and radiation mm-hmm. um, and I know that's affected you throughout your entire life mm-hmm. and it's a reminder of a really difficult time mm-hmm. as well as a grateful you know experience that you've had so it's like a complicated i think would be the best words to put it uh very complicated it's confusing because it's frustrating i'm sure for Mm -hmm. some of those things um do you mind sharing any of those things that like you've kind of dealt with that have like affected you that has been linked back if you can think of any or well and if this isn't what you're meaning just tell me but every time you go to the doctor yeah from this point on. I sure. mean, I was 27 years old yeah. when, when this happened. So every time I go to the doctor for anything, I mean, not just a cold, of course. Sure. But, I mean, anything that you're not sure what it is yeah, or what's got going that, on. Almost like a PTSD type, like exactly that anxiety that comes exactly. back and you remember those moments. Yes. And it is an anxiety that you cannot just brush off yeah i can't just brush it off yeah and no one that has i don't feel anyway anyone that has not walked where i've walked can understand it sure and it's like what is your problem yeah and well you've and i and i as long as i've known you that's always been you know that your yearly mammogram uh, and those types of things (laughs) have always been uh just a stressful time and a very Mm -hmm. nerve-wracking time because there is always that possibility, mm-hmm. you know, and it's something that always sits in the back of your head. And um, and, and to be you. honest with you, I don't know if I could do it again. And yeah. I say that, and yet there, within every human being that I know, there is such a strong will to survive. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I know that when push comes to shove, it would be there again for yeah. me. Yeah. But it is just so... 
you know how hard it was. And we were talking about this earlier, just in general, there are so many things that we go through, you know, I've heard some stories recently about, you know, just people that have, um, I stayed with an Airbnb uh, couple in Florida when we were looking for a house and I was talking with her and she was talking about this, the, the gal, the wife of the couple. And, um, she was just talking about, you know, those hard times in college of like, I didn't, you know, like I didn't eat, I was working, I was doing this. I, I had three jobs and I was putting my, like going to school and I'd go home on the weekends, work mm-hmm. this job, work this job on the weekdays. And like, you're go, 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 go. And, uh, I recognize some of those things too of, man, I know like even as an athlete, I mean, I guess that's my one thing. Like I know how hard it is and like, I know what it's like to, to, to be disciplined and to go through those things. I know how, right. And I'm sure it's similar. Like, mm-hmm. you know how to get through that you've experienced mm-hmm. it, but you also know how grueling and how difficult and how shitty and how like just hard that experience is. And to wrap your mind around, like from this point of going backwards almost of like, how, how could I ever like mm-hmm. want to go through that? Yeah. I, I'm sure that that's a hard thing to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I guess that's definitely an aspect that I wasn't really thinking about, I guess, in that question. I know there are some health things, just whether, um, you know, that that people have maybe thought that it was potentially, like, more, like, health diagnoses or health, like, uh, things, like, flare-up things that popped up that maybe were um, related to, like, your chemo treatments or some of those different things. I didn't know if you had anything on top of your head with those, but... I was trying to think. Yeah. I just know that we've had conversations about it throughout the, throughout the years, but, um, let's, let's, um, I want to talk about, so you, you had a mastectomy. Mm -hmm. You went through 18 years of your life with a prosthetic breast. Mm Um, and... (laughs) I know that's maybe a, like, it's not a thing you talk about and obviously we're putting this out into the world, but that's just part of who you were. Mm-hmm. And I grew up not thinking anything about it, you know, mm-hmm. like I, that was just part of who you were. That was mm-hmm. part of your life. That was part of the, the woman I knew you'd be. And, um, I remember I was 18 years old. I was in the middle of winter. <laughs> it was the middle of my wrestling. I was cutting weight and I was a bear to be around. Um, <laughs> Like I can often be nowadays even. So, uh, but no, I was a bear to be around. And I remember grandma coming and this was the time when you had finally decided to, um, have the reconstructive surgery Mm -hmm. and you were able to have that reconstructive surgery. And, um, so now you don't have to have that, Mm -hmm. that, uh, prosthetic breast. And there's some crazy, awesome, amazing technology that people are doing and, um, women like yourself and men and and just people in general, Mm -hmm. um, have had the opportunity to, to be recipients of some of this amazing technology from Mm -hmm. the tattooing of, you know, your nipple Mm -hmm. and to the coloring, to all these different things that are, you don't think about the, the impact that something like that has on you, your mental state, your confidence, your security, your, your insecurities, mm-hmm. um, to what, what all it goes into a procedure like that, or what it's like to even live like that. And that's, that's for anybody that's got, you know, uh, something that mm-hmm. is missing that should be there, or they think should be there, or was it 
quote normal would be would be there you know um i feel like obviously 18 is when i'm starting to become more of an adult um i have i've i've needed a few extra years i think but um <laughs> no i i just feel like since then the woman that you are has changed as well and it's little things i couldn't tell you specifically but i don't know i think there's a pre diane and a post diane in some ways and i don't know a lot of this spurred there's a lot of things and whether we get into any of the other stuff is neither here nor there but um what was that like what was that experience of going through that whole process of some of it some of it has to do with when you lose a part of you i don't care if it's a finger or uh, a limb yeah it's a loss yeah and there is a grieving that has to take place. I yeah. don't care. I remember when I lost my hair going yeah. through chemo. That was a loss. Yeah. Um, there is a part of grieving that has to take place. And yeah. if you don't allow that, it's going to come mm-hmm. one way or another. I don't care. I, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you've come from. Yeah. I don't care. It's going to come. Yeah. And I think part of that for me is I never allowed myself to grieve. Okay. And I'm just being as honest as I can be. Yeah. And I think that was a part of it with my breast. I don't yeah. think I allowed myself to grieve. Mm-hmm. And and I think there was a number of reasons why. Yeah. Um, I don't want to really go into all That's of that. Fine. But... Um, you think that you don't need to. You think that, you know, I Being can handle this. Is what you're supposed yes. to do. And right? I think sometimes there are things that happen and come into your life or go into your life that, you know, I tried to be strong for everybody else. Mm-hmm. My mother was devastated. Mm-hmm. And my aunt, Kathy, that I love dearly, she was devastated. Mm-hmm. There were so many people that were hurting because yeah. of me, yeah. and I couldn't stand it. Yeah, I could not stand to see people hurting because of me. Well, I get that honest too, because I I don't like putting people out. I don't like pe- seeing people like I don't like help. I want to be, you know, and I want to be the one helping. Yeah, I don't want to be putting, and that's one thing that. I had to learn to accept. Yeah. I had to learn to accept help. Mm-hmm. When I was sick, I had people coming and cleaning my house. That was the hardest thing in the world. I had yeah. people coming and taking care of you. Yeah. That was so hard for me. Of course. I was the mom. I should have been taking care of my son. Of course. It was so hard. I can't even tell you how hard that yeah. was. Um. There was just so many things that took place in my life at that time. It was losses. Yeah. I lost a part of your baby years that I would never get back. Yeah. Never. Uh-huh. That was a loss. Right. I mean, there were so many losses. Yeah. That I did not allow myself to grieve. Yeah. And I'm just being gut level honest. But I lost a part of me. Yeah. I lost, you know, and there was just so many losses. And I think what has happened is I have allowed myself to grieve, honestly. Yeah. And Do you feel like 
once you had the the reconstructive surgery, did you feel like you got a piece of yourself back? Yes, I do. I do, but there are there was a lot of healing that has taken place since probably since probably then. I think it all started then. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think, um, and I think I look back at it and I think I'm okay. It's okay, Diane. It's okay that you went through that. It's okay. Shane is okay. Mm-hmm. I see you you becoming um, the person that you need to be and that you're okay. Um, you know, you're not ruined. Um, you know, you have a life with Dana. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just complex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're just complex. Um <laughs> You know, but I can't tell you how hard it was for me. I mean, and it's not that it's not that I thought I could make you something or that's not it. It's just I hurt because I felt like I hurt other people in all of that. Yeah. Um, And once I saw that you were going to be okay. And honestly, because I was, I felt so helpless in everything because there were, I had no control over any of that. Yeah. Um, and there was nothing I could do about it. Right. I mean, nothing. Yeah. It was completely out of your control. I, I, completely. And, and I am, I am a control freak. I yeah. mean, in certain ways. <laughs> In certain ways, I am. I wonder where I got that from. (laughs) You know, but, and and if you'll allow me to, God has a way of breaking us. I mean, he breaks down the things in our lives that, you know, are going to hinder what he wants to do in us. Yeah. And, and dang it, it's not fun. Mm. (laughs) But, um. Yeah, I I do feel like I am a different person, and yeah. I am, I have healed. I have. Um, you started to find yourself. I think. Uh huh. You had that freedom. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's something we didn't really touch on, and we're not going to have time today, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, like the divorce with my dad. Yes. Um, obviously, there was, you know, there's healing that both hard, but also healing that came from that. Uh probably around those same times and and allowing you to heal from you know past hurts and past you know bitterness and hostility that probably resonated there um to just bitterness about your quote lot in life you know Mm -hmm. your what you were dealt and what you were served whether you wanted to be or not you Mm -hmm. know and i i really have seen that i've seen you grow i've seen you continue to like heal and Mm -hmm. um you you've been such a backbone of me. I'm gonna cry now. So it's, okay. it's my turn. It's okay. <laughs> you can't cry. I get to. Um, but you, as I get older, you know, it's so hard to see those things and appreciate them when you're younger. And I don't know why that is. I mean, obviously, I know that that is, but. Sometimes I wish it wasn't that case. You know, I wish, I wish, I wish you just 
could understand those things, I guess, differently. But um, the older I get, the more I appreciate. And I know I'll sure I'll have another appreciation if and when we have kids. Um, but I know how much you did for me. I know how much you sacrificed for me and how much time you gave of yourself selflessly to take care of me growing up. And um, maybe that was trying to make up for lost time in some ways, you know, if you can look back and psychoanalyze, but, (laughs) Um, but you were so huge. You always have been there. Always. You've never not been there for me. And, uh, I, I don't do the best to keeping in touch, but we do our, we have our thing and we do it the way it works for us. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's not what neither one of us really want in the long run, but it is what it is. But I, I say all that because, um, you know, just because I, we're not in touch on the daily or every week or every two weeks sometimes, but we stay in touch and I, it's not that. I just value so much all that you've given me and all that you've been there. And there's never a moment in my life that I know that I can't call my mom if I need to. Oh, thank you. Um, I needed to hear that. And you, that's just part of who you are. It's part of your caregiving nature. It's part of your loving nature. And it's part of, you know, I've talked about the, I've given you a hard time about the little <laughs> things that are me, but that's something you've passed on to me as well. Um, well I'm sorry for all the crappy stuff. but <laughs> <laughs> Well, you and Dad have enough to... I can blame you both for enough of those things. <laughs> we'll be fine. Mom, we have reached 89 minutes. Oh, good grief. And my cutoff is 90 minutes. Okay. So I'm going to wrap things up here. Is there anything that you want to say final? Again, you've got 55 seconds. <laughs> well, I just want to say I couldn't have made it through what I went through without you and God knows that and that's why you came when you did and I know that now yeah and I think I've shared that with you before um um, even though it was not the best time it was the perfect time yeah it was what was necessary right well mother I love you um thank you so much for sharing and bearing your soul with us (laughs) telling your hard story um for all of you out there if you're going through any experiences like this or you know people that are send them a little note uh give them a call text message whatever it is let them know you love them love you guys thanks so much for listening check out crazyfaceuno.com love ya peace